penalty that he himself has earned. Can he convert it? Yes, he can. Patience, perseverance, and then power from the penalty spot. Liverpool lead. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Liverpool. It's been a, about a week or so uh, since the last episode. We've had a, a, an FA Cup game in that time, uh, which was didn't go as planned, uh, but I think actually in the long term it might it might benefit us that we're not in the FA Cup and that we went out to, to Wolves. Um, but we're back in the Premier League. We were back in action on Saturday, uh, three o'clock kickoff, traditional time kickoff uh, for a game against Brighton. So Liverpool travelled down to the Amex. Um, the previous game up at Anfield was quite a close game. We we kind of nicked it 1-0 and um, we didn't look like, well, I say we nicked it. We didn't really look in, in trouble, but we didn't really necessarily break down Brighton as easily as we've done other teams. And um, we scored thanks to a Salah uh, first-time finish from, from a Milner Parson. That was very much the story of this game also. Brighton defended uh, very resolutely. Um, they played kind of a 4-5-1 formation and they weren't really kind of budging. So they were they were very rigid in their in their positions and, and they were very disciplined in their defending and that made it very difficult for us to to kind of pose any any kind of attacking threat. Particularly in the first half we were we had you know the vast vast majority of the ball but we didn't really kind of capitalize on that in terms of creating any clear-cut chances. We had a couple of half chances, but but nothing that you would you know you would call out and be like you know that was a, the, a key chance for, for Liverpool to score. Uh, and so we went into half time, kind of a bit of okay. So we kind of expected this, but we haven't necessarily been as good um, as we wanted to. Some of our kind of um, attacking players, I think Salah only had something like nine touches in the first half. So that kind of just shows uh, what. Where else? Where we were struggling, um, I think particularly in the first half, we we struggled in midfield. Um, we had Henderson and Wijnaldum uh, playing kind of with Shakiri, and I'm not sure that necessarily worked in this game. But we'll, we'll get down to some analysis about that a little later on. But um, we did come out in the second half, and um, about four or five minutes into into the second half, uh, Salah got one on one against Pascal Gross in the box. And I'm not sure how that happened from a Brighton perspective, but from a Liverpool perspective, that was a great matchup. Um, Salah was able to turn Pascal Gross very easily and um, and Pascal Gross uh, brought him down. Again, it was one of these ones where it was a clear-cut penalty. There's no there's no if, buts or, or maybes. Um, I've seen some people on Twitter and stuff, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there's been this thing about Salah and winning penalties, but this one was 100% um, you know, a guaranteed penalty. There was no, there was no really complaints from the Brighton players. Chris Hewton even came out of the game and was like, after the game and was like, this is one hundred percent a penalty. So I think it's just bitter rival fans trying to create a storm about nothing. But um, yeah, Salah took the penalty, took it away. He now moves to fourteen goals uh, for the season. So he's now joint top uh, of the Premier League goal scorers with Aubameyang and Harry Kane. Um, obviously, Harry Kane's still to play against United on the Sunday. So. Um, yeah, we we got that goal and then we kind of just settled back into the the kind of rhythm of the first half. I think Brighton knew they had to push on a bit, but I didn't th- didn't really think that they weren't set up to to kind of um, come and attack us. And so I don't think the game changed really too much. Um, they made a couple of substitutions to kind of make it a bit more of an attacking game. But I think we after we scored, we contained the game pretty well. Um, we held the ball well. We kept calm. There was a couple of you know iffy moments at the end, but you know nothing, nothing too 
concerning. And, and yeah, so we, we came out we came out of the game with three points, a one 0 win, another clean sheet, and you know that's all the doctor could have ordered, right? Um, after the defeat against Man City in the league, and uh, the disappointing defeat to Wolves, it was really important that now that we've got this time and we've essentially got no excuses that. When we come up against games like this, we have to win and have to get three points because otherwise Man City will be, you know, they, all, they already maybe smell a bit of blood or smell a bit of um, kind of uh, weakness from our side. And so we can't show any of that. We need to carry on and we need to carry on winning. Um, and yeah, just just keep up the momentum we had <clears throat> prior to Christmas because that was, um, you know, we, we, we genuinely did look unbeatable. But there are a couple of points that of analysis that I want to pick up from of this game. Um, the first one was uh, Fabinho as centre-back. So we saw, well, actually, we didn't expect to see Fabinho as centre-back in the Wolves game, but uh, because of the the injury to, to Dejan Lovren early in that game, Fabinho was moved into centre-back. And um, he played he played this game as centre-back, and this was probably one of the easiest games to transition into a role at centre-back. He was very, very rarely tested, both, you know, in the air or, or, or on the ground. And... Um, Virgil van Dijk definitely helped him out. You can you can just sense that. But Fabinho did have a very very solid game. He was calm on the ball. Obviously, being a midfield player by by trade, he was a lot better at taking the ball out, passing from the back, um, getting those balls into midfield. And so, in terms of this game, he, he I think he he played really well. Um, <clears throat> I think in the tougher games, you know, I don't know whether um, we'd be wanting to play him at centre back, but. But it's for, for the moment where we kind of have this kind of bit of an injury crisis at centre-back with, with Gomez, Lovren and Matip out all at the same time. He performed a very, he performed very, very well in the Brighton game. And hopefully, um, I think Klopp said we should expect to see Gomez back in a couple of weeks. I think he started training. I think Lovren isn't out for too long, but I think Matip's the longest out. So I think, I think at least for the next maybe two weeks, we might expect to see Fabinho um, <clears throat> playing that centre-back role. So uh, it was promising from the Brighton game and... Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like he was too shaky or, or anything like that. So, you know, he he played he had a great game. The the second point uh, and piece of analysis I want to touch on was about Mo Salah. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I think he had nine touches in the first half, and um, something happened at first and this during halftime. Maybe an instruction from Klopp. Maybe Salah kind of taking some initiative, but Salah started wandering around everywhere. You saw him. Um, I remember one move particularly stood out to me where he kind of picked the ball up for Van Dijk inside our own half, outside the centre circle. Uh, you know, that's not the normal place you see uh, Mo Salah. And um, I think what that meant was it gave him a bit of freedom. I think he wanted to get involved in the game. I think he felt a bit marginalised in the game, which is good for him because, you know, he's our, he's our main player. He's our key player. We want to get him involved in the game. But that also meant that we had a bit of unpredictability. I've spoken about this in a couple of episodes before, but I think a lot of teams can quite easily suss us out in terms of um, our formation isn't too creative. You know where most of our players are going to line up, how they're going to play. Uh, and so things like this where where we kind of make it a bit more unpredictable, I think really helps our cause both in this game and going forward with teams not knowing where some of our players will line up, how they'll line up whether they'll drop deep, whether it will be Firmino that drops deep or Salah or, or somebody else. And um, that really benefited us. And but, but then, you know, Salah won the penalty from his, you know, I'd say his his last season position where he's in that kind of inside right channel. 
Um, so I thought that was really good. Uh, whether that was a tactical switch or whether that was Salah's initiative, I don't know. But whoever it was, you know, props to them because I think it really made a difference in the second half to help us open up uh, that very, very well-disciplined uh, Brighton defence. The the final point of analysis I want to touch on in this game, uh, and we, I, I particularly saw this in the first half, um, was that I, in games like this, even if we're away, we all know we're going to have a huge amount of possession of the ball. And I don't think in these types of games, we need both a Henderson and a Wijnaldum. Uh, and the reason I say that is because both of them, they... They are they're both good players and they both have very good seasons actually. But what what they both they both they perform a very similar role. And I know we if I think back, you know, about eight, nine years, we had this similar prop we had this similar issue, I believe, um, when we used to play Mascherano and Alonso in uh Jabby Alonso in um kind of games where we would expect to dominate the ball. And there was always a debate about, you know, why do we need two holding midfield players against like a you know a Brighton or a you know a, a lower team and I think that issue still persists today I think um I think Klopp has a lot of faith and a lot of trust in in Wijnaldum particularly um which is why I think Wijnaldum plays but I, I believe in the in games like this where we know we're going to have a lot of the ball particularly when the opposition set up so defensively um we we don't necessarily need to play those two holding players, so both um, Wijnaldum and Henderson, I think we could benefit from the extra creative player. Um, we had Shakiri in the game. Shakiri, I think, I thought had a quite an off game against Brighton, um, and so that extra creative spark we could have by replacing one of Henderson and Wijnaldum with a with a Naby Keita or a Adam Lallana or somebody else, I think could help us more easily unlock uh, the defenses of teams that you know whether they're home or away, just set out to, to kind of contain us. Um, and that leads me to kind of the end of the episode where we do a shout-out to Klopp. And the shout-out to Klopp is related to that kind of final piece of analysis of, in these types of games, I would like to see Naby Keita play a little bit more. We have seen... We've seen glimpses of Naby Keita. I think the two games that stand out to me where we've seen Naby Keita and we've seen what his potential could be, could be right back at the beginning of the season when we played West Ham at home. And the game against Burnley at the beginning of December where we played away, where I thought he had a really good performance in between the lines um, of Burnley's midfield and defence. So we've seen kind of bits of Cater, um, but particularly in this, um, I guess I guess you call it home stretch, but in the next couple of months of the league as we definitely try and, try and go for the league this season, um, I think it helps with that unpredictability. And I think it helps with our, with our kind of creative flair, particularly if teams you know teams know that we're a threat now and we, we, we are likely to win a game, so they may be more defensive. So I think in, in games like that, I think we would benefit from having or sacrificing one of the holding players, whether it be Wijnaldum or Henderson, and, um, and, replacing, and replacing one of those with, with uh, Naby Keita. I think Adam Lallana's had another injury setback, which again is unfortunate for him. But um, but it highlights that thing around: Do we need another creative midfielder? But I think we should give Naby Keita a chance. Um, maybe he needs a season to settle in. I don't. I, I know. I don't know. Some players. Some players are like that. So maybe he's, you know, a player that will really see his potential in the um, in the next, uh, you know, in the ne- in the next season potentially. But um, for now, I think it would just be good to have him in the team 
to, as I said, mix things up and, um, yeah, and just give us that extra bit of creative um, attack and uh, creativity that I think we lack against some of the some of the smaller teams. So, um, but all in all, I think we've got the result we needed. We needed to get back to winning ways, and that's exactly what we did. And I think you know, no Liverpool fan could be annoyed about the result because these are the types of games that we just didn't win previously, and that now we are winning. So. Um, incredibly positive results so so onwards and upwards the next game is against Crystal Palace and that is at home uh, it was a tough game uh, for us um, I think it was one of our second or third games of the season but we played them away uh, I think we did win 2-0 or 3-0 I think um, but it was definitely a tough game and Crystal Palace turn up uh, and they are a tough team so they'll be visiting Anfield next weekend so uh, again confident confident for, for Liverpool I think at home, you know, always confident, confident that we keep a clean sheet and confident that we'll we'll knock a few past um, a Crystal Palace defence that I think leaked some poor goals against uh, Watford, I believe. Um, so, yeah, hopeful for that game. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening and I'll catch you on a review of the Crystal Palace game.